Turn your Bible to John chapter 1, please. John chapter 1. This is a passage that Brother Brian read to us a little while ago. It's very, very appropriate that we read this. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John each gave their own version of the meaning of the cross and of the meaning of the Christ. Matthew wrote mainly to the Jews to remind everybody that Jesus is the rightful heir to the throne of David. He is the king of the Jews. Mark and Luke wrote with a little different understanding. Mark wrote a simple 16-chapter succinct biography of Jesus. Luke, the physician, wrote concerning his humanity and his healing power. And then John came along. It is called the universal gospel. It is the evangelistic gospel. And the word believe appears over and over and over again in this book. It reminds us on every page that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Well, in John chapter 1, we read these thoughts. In the beginning was the Word. Notice the Word is capital W. In the beginning was the Word. The Greek word is logos. In the beginning was the logos, or the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shined in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Any celebration of Christmas, if it is to be the real Christian celebration, must center around the deity of Jesus. Jesus was more than divine. There's a sense in which all of us have a spark of the divine, in that we're all made in the image of God through creation. But Jesus is more than divine. He is more than we are. We are made in the image of God. Jesus was God. And when we read in the books of Matthew and Luke concerning the birth of Christ, the writers under the direction of the Holy Spirit go out of their way to make it clear that Jesus was not the human son of Joseph. His father was deity. When Mary was in Nazareth, where she was from originally, the angel appeared to her and said, Blessed art thou among women, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. And the Holy Spirit overshadowed her in such a way, a miracle. We'll not completely understand it till we get to heaven. But God implanted her that seed which was to grow into the human Jesus. And thus Jesus was born looking like Mary, looking like a Jewish boy. But he had the nature of God. He was sinless. Jesus never lifted up his soul in vanity nor swore deceitfully. Jesus was God tabernacling in human flesh. 
There are many of the most sacred doctrines which we hold dear, which are taught in the narratives of the Christmas story. Today we're singling out three of these. We're speaking on the doctrines of Christmas. We live in a time of humanism, secularism, and naturalism, the so-called age of reason. It is interesting to note that the teachings which we glean from the sacred word were held undeniably true until the time of Voltaire and Thomas Paine, the rationalists, who would accept nothing until they thought they could prove it scientifically. It is repeated that one of these made the prediction that 100 years from their date, there would be no Bibles. They'd all be gone. Yet today, the Bible is translated into every known language and is thought in almost every nation. The question today is not where is the Bible, but where are these men, Voltaire and Thomas Paine? In the, the universities, we study about them with galore, and we magnify them and hold them up as the leaders of the age of reason, and yet they had tragic flaws. And any thinking person who is guided in any sense by the Holy Spirit will recognize they had basic flaws in their philosophy. There are three great truths and teachings brought in the gospel narratives dealing with the birth of Christ. Number one, the miracle of his coming. Number two, the majesty of his coming. And number three, the message of his coming. First of all, the miracle of his coming. I read in a newspaper some time ago about a man 99 years old and his wife was 98. He fell down nine flights of stairs. He was in the hospital just a short while, recovered quickly, and the doctor said to him, don't try that again. Miracles don't happen very often. And then during World War II in Germany, one plane had an army chaplain who had gone along just for the ride. Anti-aircraft fire and many enemy fire arms were all about. Fighter planes were flying all around them. The chaplain came on the intercom and said, it's all right, men. Don't be afraid, God is here with you. The tail gunner replied, he may be up there in front with you guys, but he's not back here. Seconds later, a shell tore through the bottom of the tail turret and passed out the top without exploding. There was a long, stunned silence. And the tail gunner came on, correction please, God just walked in. You see, there are miracles even in our day. And that was one. The miracle of his coming centers somewhat in the reality of the Bible, for he was the fulfillment of prophecy. In Genesis chapter 12, listen to this. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will give thee... Uh, I will make thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. How did that happen? Abraham was from Ur of the Sumerians or Ur of the Chaldeans. 
down near the Persian Gulf. He crossed the Euphrates River. He did what God said to do. He came to the land of Haran. Then from Haran, he went down into what we call Palestine. He had no son. God had said, Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. And in thee shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Abraham was maybe 25 or 30 years old. His wife was Sarah, about the same age. He went around everybody and said, I'm going to have a son. He was 35, but no son. People laughed at him and said, you said you're going to have a son. Well, I'm going to have a son. How do you know God said it? He was 45, 55, 65. People came along and said, you old fool. You're talking about having a son. You're too old to have a son. 75, 85. I'm going to have a son. Finally, when he was nearly 100 years old, God gave Sarah the opening of her womb and was born to Sarah and Abraham a son named Isaac. Isaac became the father of Esau and Jacob. Jacob became the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. One of those tribes was Judah. And from Judah came forth Jesus, the Messiah. And since the days of Jesus' earthly walk, he had no biological children. He had 11 spiritual children, then 120, then 5,000, then multitudes, then many multitudes. And those early disciples spread the gospel of Jesus Christ all over the then known world. Before the death of the last earthly disciple, John, the gospel had been spread into what we call Turkey, Asia Minor, across the Aegean Sea into Europe, over into Italy, down into Egypt, over into India, and all across the then known world, the gospel had gone. And then as other worlds were discovered, the early settlers took the Christian faith. And those pilgrims that came to America wrote the Magna Carta. And in it they said, we have come to this continent to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the gospel has been spread all around the then known world. And when God said to Abraham, in thee shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, that was fulfilled in Jesus. It was continually fulfilled in the disciples that go around the world. It's fulfilled in the Glendale Baptist Church as our people give and give and give that the world might hear about Jesus. During this month, we especially focus on what we call the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, a world mission offering. Every penny of it goes to missions across the ocean in the other parts of the world to get the gospel out. But not only do we give of our money, we give of our sons and our daughters. And from this congregation has gone out over 250 men and women to carry the gospel. They're preaching in the pulpits of this land today. They're in missionary stations around the world. Why? God said to Abraham, through thee shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And so the miracle of his coming is all bound up in the truth of the scripture, what the word of God says. In Isaiah 40, comfort ye my people, saith your God, Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished. 
Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain hill shall be made low, the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. In Numbers 24, 17, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel. And in Isaiah 53, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we're healed. All from the word of God. And so the miracle of his coming is rooted deeply in the reliability of the scripture. The miracle of his coming is revealed in the number and manner of his birth. But thou, Bethlehem, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me who is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, even from everlasting. What's that mean? That little one born in Bethlehem is the one who is from everlasting to everlasting. He didn't begin in Bethlehem. He didn't begin in Nazareth. He began with God. In the beginning, Elohim, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And in Isaiah chapter 9, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And that's what Jesus is. And so the miracle of his coming is revealed in the manner of his coming. He was born of a virgin. He had no human sin. No leftover characteristics of sin through the genes. Some have wondered why do we not live as long today as we lived in the ages of the Bible. The most obvious reason is because of the accumulation of sin in the genes. God did not plan death at the beginning. God wanted Adam and Eve to live on and on and on. They were clothed with immortality and then they fell. And they had to sew fig leaves together to cover their nakedness. And God said, that will never do. He killed an animal, indicating without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. He took the skins of that animal and clothed man. And all through the ages, modest believers in God have worn clothes. And when you read in the paper or see in the movies or you hear on television people who want to undress in public, and show their bare body. You can just write it down. They know nothing about modesty of the Bible. The Bible speaks of being clothed and in your right mind. Well, Joseph was the foster father of Jesus. Mary was his mother, overshadowed by the Holy Ghost. This does not mean the immaculate conception of Mary. Those who believe in the Immaculate Conception of Mary believe that Mary was born without sin, that she never sinned, and Jesus was her only child and she had no other children. That contradicts what the Scripture says, because the Scripture specifically says that Jesus had brothers and sisters, and the obvious implication is that Mary had other children, but not before Jesus was born. He was born of a virgin. The miracle of his coming is revealed in the name Emmanuel, God with us. In the 12th century, the early Christians began to sing what we sing today is, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And if you'll notice the verses, verse 1, Emmanuel, the deliverer. 
God's people now separated from heaven are here compared to Israel during its Babylonian captivity, being separated from God's holy temple in Jerusalem. Stanza number two, O come thou light of might. This is addressed to Almighty Jehovah, the one who gave the law at Mount Sinai to the awesome accompaniment of lightning and thunder. Verse three, O come thou rod of Jesse. This is a reference to Isaiah 11.1. 1. There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. This prophecy was fulfilled perfectly with the birth of Christ, who came from the kingly line of David, the son of Jesse. Verse 4, O come thou day spring. This address to the Messiah means literally sunrising. This prophetic reference was re-echoed by the priest Zacharias, in these words, upon hearing of Christ's birth, the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. And verse 5 of that great hymn, O come, Emmanuel, O come, thou key of David. This expression is first recorded in Isaiah 22, 22. And the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder. The well-known verse from Isaiah 9, 6 confirms this royal authority of Christ and the government shall rest upon his shoulder. And so, the miracle of his coming is revealed in his name. And you just think what the name Emmanuel means. Comfort ye my people, saith your God. Emmanuel means God with us. So no matter what kind of circumstance you go through, no matter what kind of financial calamity or home calamity, no matter how much you're in trouble, no matter how many mistakes you make, I've seen the lightning flashing. I've heard the thunder roll. I've felt sin's breakers dashing, trying to conquer my soul. But I heard the voice of Jesus telling me still to fight on. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. And so Jesus is the comforter to those who are distraught, those who are discouraged, those who are depressed. And Jesus is the Savior to those who've been overcome in sin, which includes all of us. Secondly, the majesty of his coming. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, that every tongue should confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The world would have welcomed and heralded a king with all the pomp and circumstance and rolled the red carpet. But when Jesus came, there was no room in the inn. And in many places today, there's no room again. Most of us have been aware that some of the great department stores that we admire and respect have outlawed the Merry Christmas thought. They sell holiday trees and holiday gifts. I wrote to some of them. and In it, I said, one of the reasons you have so much business at this time of the year is because of Jesus. Jesus taught us to give. The first people to give were the wise men who came bringing gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And if you would recognize your economic progress, 
you would welcome the term Christmas. I think it would be wise for those of us who go to those stores to let them know that we still believe in Merry Christmas. We believe in Christmas greetings, not holiday greetings. Well, God announced the coming of Jesus. He announced his coming by angels. Angels figured largely in the life of Jesus. They announced the birth of John the Baptist. They announced the coming of Jesus. They announced to Joseph, to Mary, to the shepherds. They directed the flight to Egypt, ministered to Jesus after the temptation. Angels were with him in Gethsemane at the cross. He said, I could have called legions of angels. The song says ten thousands of angels. An angel rolled away the stone from the grave. Angels were at his ascension. And they said to the disciples, why do you stand gazing into heaven? The same Jesus whom you've seen taken into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. And so the disciples went back and did what Jesus commanded. They began to tell the story all around the world. The story of that old rugged cross that Jesus, announced by angels, attended by angels, died at the hands of sinners. You and I who are sinners. But death could not keep his prey. Jesus, our Savior, he tore the bars away. Jesus, our Lord, up from the grave he arose, and Jesus is alive today. Jesus said a lot about angels. They will be the reapers to gather the elect. Angels carried the beggar to Abraham's bosom. Little children have guardian angels. Michael, the archangel, will be with Christ when he comes. Gabriel was the name of the angelic prince sent from heaven to direct arrangements for the arrival of the Son of God. The coming king was announced to the lowly shepherds, the meek and lowly, by angels. Last of all, the meaning of his coming. We're celebrating this year the most important event that ever occurred. Had it not been for Christmas, there would have been no Calvary. You think of it. We don't want to underestimate the cross. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and if you trace that lineage, the only begotten son doesn't go back to just Jacob or Jesse or Abraham. That only begotten son goes back to God himself. God in three persons, blessed Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In Matthew 1, the angel said to Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. And listen, he wants to save you from your sins. He wants to come into your life, and he wants to be special to you. And you know when Jesus really comes in, you know what happens to him? You know what happens to a person? He gets, we, God gets our attention. And instead of sitting in church and laughing and talking and giggling, he becomes real to us. And Jesus is the one above all others, who is the one can save us from our sins. And he wants to do that. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. In that wonderful story, 
that we sing so often. I believe we sang it this morning. Hark the herald angels sing is filled with doctrine. It talks about Jesus being the Son of God. And it talks about the doctrines that relate to Him. And listen, today if you're here without Jesus, you've never known Him as your Savior, why not invite Him in today? He knocks on the world's door through baby fingers. But you have to be quiet enough to hear Him. There's some people who get so filled with self and the world and the pleasures and the toys, they never can hear that voice. I believe in the sovereign grace of God. God elected Jesus. Jesus is the ark. Those who are in Jesus, God takes to heaven. Those who are not in Jesus, God has no recourse. He knocked, he sent his messengers, he sent his prophets, he sent his Bible, he encouraged you to come. He even sent bus pastors to bring you to church so you could hear the word of God. And some people, even when they come to church, don't listen. See, Jesus knocks. And if you'll hear his voice and invite him in, he'll come in and be your personal savior. Let's close our eyes in prayer a moment. We're gonna sing without him, I could do nothing. And as we sing that great hymn in a moment, remember that without Jesus, we could do nothing. We could be nothing. And then after a while, we're going to sing the old rugged cross, reminding us that Jesus is the light of the world and it is because he died on the cross that our sins can be forgiven. But right now, without Jesus, you can't go to heaven. Without Jesus, you can't really enjoy Christmas. Oh, you might enjoy the toys and the pretty things and the shopping and all those things, but you will miss the real meaning of Christmas without Jesus. And you have to invite him in. He is a gentleman. He never forces him way, his way into your heart. He just says, come, come. And if you'll come to him, he'll forgive you. He'll be your savior. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that today someone here in this audience would turn to Jesus and receive Christ as personal Savior and Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing, Without Him I Could Do Nothing. That's number 468 in your hymn book. So let's turn there. As we sing, will you come to Christ? <laughs> 